I'm John Hendler, and this is Everyday People, Extraordinary Lives. This is one thing that really, really helps me in, in talking about him, talking about what he went through. Um, so maybe he didn't die in vain. Maybe this all happened. So, so he could help people through his memory through, and through his struggles, and that we can help people through, through Daniel's struggles. That's Jeff Olson a father who's on a mission to share his son Daniel's story, and in the process, help prevent teenagers from committing suicide. In July 2012, Daniel, who led his Ishpeming High School football team to the state title game in 2010, and suffered anxiety and depression for several years, took his life. A few months later, Jeff, who was the team's head coach and was at the helm when the team won the state title four months after Daniel's death, then took it upon himself to speak to students throughout the state and region about Daniel and to remind them that they are not alone if they are struggling with mental illness. For those of you listening locally, Jeff will speak at Olivet High School on Thursday, December 8th, and will also show the documentary, Do It For Daniel, which highlights Daniel's struggles. The hope of the program is to educate people and get rid of the stigma of mental illness. The program runs from 6 to 8 p.m., Fifteen vendors will also be on hand to give out mental health information before and after the presentation. Thank you, Jeff, for mm-hmm. doing this. Sure. And um, I'm going to let you decide where we start. Where do we start with this? I mean, um, you've been doing this now for 10 years, right? Since Daniel... Well, actually, no, Daniel passed away 10 years. Right, right. So actually, you know, it, I guess it did start... Um, you know, about like four months after that is when we got, I got an email from Mike and Cammie Behrens, who they're the ones that um, made the documentary, you know, and they had never done anything like that before. But they were captivated by the story. Their daughter had suffered from a mental illness. Um, he was on the, on the uh, he was filming, actually, our first two state championship games. And he actually... You know, he didn't know it at the time, but he was filming the one that my son Daniel played in. So, you know, kind of captivated by the story and then reached out to us probably about four months after Daniel passed away. And it took me four months to, to respond. And, um, you know, they, he had this idea. Um, so what happened, you know, my wife wasn't too keen on it, but she agreed to meet with them. So they drove up, you know, from Otisville, Michigan, um and then we you know just to meet for an hour well we met for about three hours and um decided to do it so um you know and the big big reason why we we thought maybe we shouldn't because you know daniel's name's out there we don't know how people are gonna what they're gonna think about it you know we didn't want one person saying anything negative about him um through this documentary so it was a you know, kind of a leap of faith for us to, to do it. And, um, you know, now so glad we did because, you know, now we have this documentary and then people reached out to me, you know, knowing that the documentary was there to see if I would speak. Um, and it's just kind of, um, cause the first time I did it, I just went and showed the documentary, but I also found out that there's a lot of questions. You know, the documentary is Daniel's story. But it's not, it wasn't made just as a educational tool. We're using it as that. So it kind of evolved that, you know, I speak before it, I speak after it to really kind of explain, you know, 
what mental illness is, what it feels like to have it, um, you know, what are the symptoms? Because, you know, when I travel and when I speak and I and I do my presentation, you know, the biggest thing is people don't know. You know, when I talk to kids after it, you know, how are you feeling? I don't know. It's hard for them to explain. They don't understand what this is. They don't understand that it's a medical issue. Um, and that's the big thing. People don't understand. So this is, you know, it's kind of evolved to, you know, we always wanted to start a conversation about mental illness, but we also want people to understand what it is and what it feels like to have it. And so not only the person that's struggling understands, but the people around them. Okay. So, so the Barons reached out to you yep. after you won the state championship. This was the, yes. and this was four months after Daniel died. Yep. He, he passed away towards the end of July. Right. I guess we had won the state championship the end of November. So they reached out in December when I don't know how many months, August, September, October, November. so five months after. And so when you do these presentations and talk to the kids, uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, um, I saw the segment that was done on uh, on you last May right. with Soledad O'Brien about a man on a mission or dad on a mission. Um, yep. Is that a, is that an accurate way to sum up? Like when you go to speak to these kids, you you are pretty focused. You said it's like preparing for a game, but you're focused because yep. you have a message to get to these kids, right? Well, yeah, you know, and I say in my presentation when my son Daniel was struggling, he didn't know what he was going through we as parents didn't know what he was going through. So we want people to understand. It's all about understanding that. Um, and like I said before, you know, the people that many that are struggling don't understand what they're going through. They don't understand it's medical. They don't understand it's treatable. They don't understand how common it is, you know, whatever, you know, you could say, you know, the studies show one in four or one in five people in their lifetime are going to suffer from some sort of mental illness yet people don't understand it. So, the fact that when Daniel was going through it, we didn't understand and he didn't understand. The mission is to create understanding so everybody understands what this is um, and that it's treatable because it's medical. So people don't have to go through what my son went through. So loved ones don't have to go through what my wife and I and our family went through. So that's that's the mission. It's also... <laughs> You know, it's also therapy for me. You know, people always say, you know, I can't believe how strong you are. Well, I don't feel strong because I'm doing this to to help myself, too. You know, it's it's our therapy that, you know, because, you know, now Dan, you know, Daniel's not gone. He's not forgotten. His name's out there. His face is out there when we show the documentary. So that's healing in a way for, for our family. And, and, I mean, you're keeping his memory alive, and for you personally as a dad, when you go to speak about him, that must bring up a, a lot of emotion for you. And I'm not necessarily saying maybe negative, but also positive, mm-hmm. right? It makes you feel close to your son still 10 years later. There's no question. I feel close because people are saying his name. We can see his face. And I really believe deep down that Daniel's helping people, you know, through through me. So that's healing. Um, you know, and, and everybody, you know, we found this out, everybody grieves different. Grief is different for everybody. And this is one thing that really, really helps me in, in talking about him, talking about what he went through. Um, so maybe he didn't die in vain. Maybe this all happened. So, so he could help people 
through his memory through and through his struggles and that we can help people through through daniel's struggles mm -hmm. um 10 years has passed and you're talking about this with kids there seems to be a greater awareness of mental health and more people are willing to talk about it and especially dealing with the pandemic and the lockdowns and mm -hmm. isolating do you th um, think now that, you know, so much has changed maybe in 10 years in the attitudes of people regarding anxiety and depression? Um, d does that, do you think, you know, obviously 10 years ago was a different ball game, mm -hmm, I suppose. Right. So have the changes been, um, I don't even know how to say this, but uh, what I'm trying to say is, the awareness is greater now, so obviously more people are getting help than right, ten right. years and you ago. Said, and you said so much has changed. Well, it's changed. You know, I feel you know from now until ten from ten years ago, things have changed. There's more awareness. Pe more people are understanding, but it's moving at a snail's pace. I mean, there's so much more we can do, and there's so much more in the medical field that can be done and through insurance companies and state legislatures and putting more money towards mental health. So yeah, things are better now, but we have, a, we still have a long way to go and it's been at a snail's pace because, you know, when Daniel was struggling, you, you say he passed away 10 years ago, he struggled for, for eight years, you know, before that. And, you know, we felt, he felt we were all, all on an Island that, you know, we were the only ones and, more and more people are understanding that you know they're not the only ones how common this is like any other medical illness so yeah things are a lot better but we still have a long way to go and it's moving very slowly so when were you first made aware of daniel's struggles i mean he was in middle school no he he actually noticed some things were off in sixth grade okay. and he, we know that because he told us but he wrote a, actually wrote a paper when he was a senior in high school yeah. And my wife and I noticed some things were off in sixth grade, but, and he, you know, throughout his struggles, you know, we didn't know what's hormones, what's being a teenager. So we, we started to get really worried eighth grade, ninth grade. And then his junior year in high school, that's the first time he came to us and asked for help because, you know, like I said, throughout those other times, we didn't know what he was struggling with. We didn't know what was, like I said, being a teenager, what was hormones. So when he came to us and asked for help, we, we found out through talking to him that two years before that, when he was a freshman, he was, you know, so close to completing suicide then. And that's when we didn't know. So it might be a different story right now if he, if he would have completed when he was a freshman because my wife and I, we, we probably would have blamed ourselves. Um, we probably would have, you know, what did we do wrong? I, maybe I couldn't be out in the, in the public, um, talking about it, but the fact that he, you know, he tried to get help for three years, he was open to us. So we understood it a lot more. Um, and we understood some of the factors that, um, you know, hold people back, not talking to it, not talking to a doctor, not opening up to a, a therapist, not taking your medication the way you should. So, we learned a lot of things because he came forward and, and asked for help and struggled. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to, you know, 
one thing too we found out is um, early recognition is so important in this too because he fought for five years on his own in silence and doctors seem to think that maybe if he would have got help in sixth grade if he would have came to us and had the words to say these are my symptoms this is what i'm going through maybe i should get checked for anxiety and depression or something and same thing with my wife and i what if this was so out in the open that when he was in sixth grade we would have said you know what let's just err on the safe side and let's go get him checked for anxiety and depression maybe anyway if he would have got help then and not waited for five years maybe you know it would have ended up on, on a positive note right and, and and i guess that's something you would want to let parents know right that if you absolutely have concerns don't just say well it's just the kid being a teenager and but really right. check it out the earlier the better yeah because yeah you, you know because when you when we say the stigma is you're weak you're crazy can't handle everyday life but that's when people freak out when you say mental illness you know there's a huge stigma when you say mental illness you really should be called what it is it's an illness of the brain you know if you have an illness of your heart if you have the flu nobody thinks twice but when you say you have a mental illness that's when people freak out that oh you're you're crazy or even if you say you know if you say i have an illness of the brain then maybe people understand a little bit more that it's like an illness of the heart or illness of any other part of your body and there shouldn't be any shame of it there shouldn't be any stigma involved and and more and more people would come forward we believe and understand what they're going through yeah i think and that's exactly what you said yeah there's been some change but it's a snail's pace because yep. mental illness or whatever you call it people still say oh just you know get over it or you you can yep, suck it up yeah you know, suck it up or, or, or snap snap out of it you know well you can't snap out of the flu you know and right. you can't snap out of a bad heart so um and and the kids when you go and speak you've spoken at, at probably hundreds of schools right yep. Are the kids reactions pretty much the same because kids are it, it, you know it's always a little different as far as the heights of it but the, you know some of the big things is first of all is thank you you know when kids come and talk to me thank you for bringing this out in the open thank you for explaining to my friends what i'm going through and you know early on one of the big things is you know, thank you because I don't know what I'm going through. You know, I can't even explain what I'm going through and you just explained it and you just explained to everybody what I'm going through. So now it's easier for them to deal with it because their friends understand it, but it's also easier for them to speak openly about it as you would is if you had the flu, you know, it's easy to talk, say, you know, I have body aches, I have chills, I have um, no energy, but it's hard to say, you know, your, your symptoms of, you know, depression, you know, I don't feel like myself. I can't laugh anymore. I'm sad all the time. I have these negative thoughts, this doom and gloom attitude. I'm worthless. You know, it's hard for people to say that because people won't understand. People will judge them. And, you know, because the stigma is so, so big. Right. Right. And you decided you made this decision with, with your family. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I saw in the segment um, that um, two days after Daniel's death, you're in the funeral home. You decide we're going to talk yep. about this. I mean, that's, yep. that was a Absolutely. huge decision. And did that just suddenly hit you at that moment? We need to talk about this. 
Well, I, I, I didn't want to hide it. I wanted to tell the truth. And the big thing was, is Daniel didn't know what he was struggling with. So we decided right then and there that we were going to put this out in the open. You know, we weren't going to lie. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I spoke at his funeral and I had some people come up to me after I spoke and after the funeral was over and said, thank you. Thank you for putting this out in the open. Thank you for myself or somebody else would say thank you on behalf of my daughter for putting this out in the open. Um, and that felt good. So, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. And especially after Mike and Cammie Behrens came forward. And like I said, it was hard for us. You know, it, I didn't respond back to them for four months. Um, and then when we did agree to meet with them, they did such a fantastic job, um, you know, put the documentary together. And, and Mike still runs our Facebook page and is, is very active in, in what we do in, in promoting mental mental health, too. And then you decided to keep coaching football. Yep. And uh, Ishpeming, is that how it's pronounced? Or I... Yep, okay. Ishpeming, yeah. Ishpeming. So yep. you decided uh, to keep coaching after Daniel's death, and that 2012 season was just unlike any <laughs> other, I, I would imagine, just for you as a father, as a coach, and the players and the town and everything. Yeah. Um, and getting to that state title game and holding on and right. winning. Um, yeah, because that was a that was a good team, but it wasn't a great it wasn't great like we you know going into the season. But you know they they worked you know they they were I think the focus was more they worked you know they always worked extremely hard in the off season, and that's a thing too because when I was going through this, you know in the off season workouts, you know they did all this stuff on their own and they policed themselves, and then when the season started, you know they kind of dedicated the season to to us, our family, to Daniel. And, you know, the focus was there and we lost a game during the regular season, but, um, went on a run in the playoffs and, um, you know, ended up winning, you know, being a huge underdog in the state finals and winning that. So it was a, you know, it, it, it's a cool story about, you know, a, a group of kids banding together for a cause. Um, our community banded together and showed a lot of love for our family. Um, so it was, uh, you know, it, it, it ended, you know, the story ended on a positive note, but there's still a lot of work to do in, in promoting, um, you know, understanding about this mental illness. Right, right. And I saw, I read the Sports Illustrated article about the, okay, good. the yeah. team and uh, how, you know, everyone kind of came together. And, and, and the town had uh, other tragedies within that year, and, and it's just uh, yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was three deaths that year. There was three deaths, and um, you know, in a, in a matter of a year and a half. So, like we say, our, you know, actually, our kids were. We had a death of an eighth grade football player in the seventh week of the season, or seventh game of the season. So, it happened right after our game. So we spent for the eighth game. We spent they spent three hours in a funeral home right before playing our eighth game. So, yeah, there was some tragedies. These kids had to deal with three three deaths, three funerals in a matter of a year and a half, and and they hit close to home. And are you still in touch with a lot of those kids on that team from 10 years ago? Sure, yeah. There are, you know, a lot of them are around, still around. Um, some, you know, when they come back, you know, we talk, and, uh, you know, that's always, a, that's always a good thing. I, I was just saying when you were talking about, um, you know, getting help early, I remember when I was in high school, as I was graduating high school, I was struggling a bit. I had some anxiety, mm -hmm. and I went to see someone, 
and the therapist said, you know what? First of all, he says, I just want to let you know you're 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 not alone. You're not the only one who's uh-huh. experiencing this. And I just remember right. that more than anything that made me feel better because I thought I was basically the only person ha- this was right. happening to, and it was you know it was right. very upsetting. So hearing that, just yeah. that, gave me, I guess, a sense of. Um, okay, okay, I, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not going, you know, I'm not the only one. So that made a huge difference. Right. And I'm sure when kids hear you speak, they're going to probably think, hey, I'm not the only one. And that's Right, that's and, they, and that's when they see Daniel, you know, that's them. That's them up there. Right. So they can actually see him and they can hear him. And, uh, you know, so, you know, people are captivated by that. And, they, you know, they understand a little bit more because that's them up there. It's a real story. It's not just somebody tell you know throwing statistics at them that oh yeah 50 percent or 70 percent struggle or whatever you know they're seeing a real real story that's that hits close to home for them mm-hmm. so um anything else you'd want parents to know um to be on the lookout for or things you've heard or things you've noticed through the years of speaking to kids that hey parents these are the things you need to look for yeah you know well looking for you know you know, if there's if their if their child is withdrawn, if they if they if you can get them to open up and they say they they're sad all the time, or if they you know if they have these negative thoughts and um, you know or um, you know they don't feel like themselves. Well, communication is big, but for parents, if they understand and just telling their child or whoever that they understand if the person suffering knows that their parents or loved ones understand that helps that goes a long way to them getting help and and, and doing the right things that they need to do to to help themselves jeff i appreciate your your time um i'm planning to come out there i'll look forward to meeting you on thursday and uh, thanks very much for what you're doing yeah. And thanks for putting this in, doing what you're doing, too, because you're putting this out and giving me a voice and a platform, too. So I thank you. Again, Jeff Olson will be at Olivet High School on Thursday, December 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. And the program is open to the public. Thanks for listening. And please share this episode with those you may think would benefit from hearing it. Until next time, may the good news be yours.